Thanks to BTS, K-dramas and Squid Game, South Korea has taken the center stage the world over. But it's hardly the first time that it has done so. The island nation is known for transforming itself from one of the world's poorest countries to a developed, high-income economy in just a few generations. This exponential economic growth called the miracle on the Han River has made South Korea an integral part of the G20. The tale of South Korea's growth is as riveting as the dreamy K-dramas that you can't stop binging. So, let's dive right in. Welcome back to Revolution Read On, a daily podcast where we break down one story from the world of business and finance. Click on the subscribe button to never miss an update from us. Here's your story for today. South Korea didn't get off to a good start. While on the one hand it was enslaved by Japan, on the other it had to tackle the continuous jabs of the hostile elder brother North Korea. With the hopes of turning around its destiny, South Korea waged wars against these political rivals. Those lasted over a decade and left the South Korean economy in a completely tattered state. Then, how did this country with seemingly no wealth, natural resources and no allies rise from the ashes? Even if you're robbed of all your resources, even if nature has been brutal to you, there's one thing that no one can take away. Your spirit and determination. To supplement the dearth of natural resources, human capital was made to be South Korea's biggest resource. It banked on the hard work and dedication of its people to build its unique proposition. Surprisingly, Japan, its enslaver, played a big role in this revival. By 1965, the labor-intensive export-oriented units were no longer profitable for Japan. Also, its prime market, the United States, would not allow Japanese goods within its borders. To save its economy, Japan turned to South Korea. It promoted the South Korean industry to take up the role of exporters. But how did this help Japan? They could now sell capital equipment to South Korea. Soon, the US market was flooded with South Korean goods and both South Korea and Japan flourished with this development. But Japan cannot take all the credits. The South Korean government also had a huge role to play. The government heavily funded the family-owned conglomerates called Chibols of South Korea. The Chibols in turn created millions of jobs and South Korea grew itself out of poverty. The largest and the most prominent Chibols are Samsung, Hyundai and LG, which have transformed into extremely profitable businesses. Today, these Chibols account for more than two-thirds, that's 67.8% of South Korea's GDP. A labor-intensive economy was a great first step for the country. But to become resilient to global developments, South Korea needed to do something more. You see, labor is not unique. Any country could take away South Korea's supremacy. And so, the establishment of Chibols was accompanied by a heavy emphasis on the literacy of its populace. From the 1990s, South Korea started investing in technology and research and development. Not long after, China became the manufacturing destination of the world. South Korea's far-sightedness paid off. 
It is still the seventh largest exporter in the world, the largest exporter of ships, the third largest exporter of cars, and a technological hub that can compete with prominent international hubs like Silicon Valley and Tokyo. As of 2021, South Korea holds the top spot in the Bloomberg Innovation Index. While South Korea has demonstrated incredible economic growth over the years, in recent times, some dangerous trends have been highlighted. South Korea is often referred to as the land of modern dynasties, and rightly so. The dominance of the Chibols is quite apparent in the economy. More than two-thirds of the GDP is directly dependent on these Chibols. LG, Hyundai and Samsung are monopolistic, and many argue that the benefits of this expansive GDP growth of South Korea were reaped by only a select few. These companies are mini-governments of sorts, and the power they hold is no joke. Ulsan is also known as the Hyundai city of South Korea. Everyone who works there is directly or indirectly an employee of Hyundai. The apartments, the hospitals and even the schools there are all owned by Hyundai. In 1961, the per capita income of India and South Korea was comparable. In 2019, there was a huge difference as they stood at 2,104.1 US dollars and 31,762 US dollars respectively. While South Korea speed tracked its growth, India's economy remained shut till 1991. There was a lot of catching up to do. Right now, India has two big advantages. Young demography in a large population and rich natural resources. With Make in India, India has been trying to do what South Korea has done in the past, putting its large population at work. But times have changed. When South Korea became a manufacturing major, automation wasn't that big a thing. It had time to amass wealth and then think about innovation. But India has to speed track innovation now. This task begins with improving the quality of education and extends to ease of doing business. Only then, the dream of the Sone Ki Chidiya ruling the world will come alive. Thanks for listening in. Make sure to follow this podcast if you aren't already. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>